kids, let's travel the world together. She can make it easy and in any kind of weather. No TSA, no bad checks, no cotton down. She's talking from the skies and sending lots of feel good sounds. Oh, Betty, in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt. Betty and the Chits. Oh, she's weird and wonderful. Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen. She's wearing high heel shoes. Got her wings on, too. You know, I've never seen a better stew. Oh. Hello, and welcome to. Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and pilots, and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have stories about toilet paper, shouting and grunting and cupping, air kisses, and porcupets. Let's get on with the show. This story is from my recent-ish trip this past November to Zanzibar, Africa, and more specifically to Mafia Island. And I realized I didn't tell you guys this story. And it's weird that you can have a good story that I forget to tell on the podcast, but how it came about that I realized I had forgot to tell you guys this story is a friend was uh, looking through photos on my iPad. I was doing something else. She was just scrolling, scrolling. And she goes, she gets to the Mafia Island portion of the photos and the iPad. And she goes, who's this hot mess? (laughs) And I told her the story. And that's how sometimes I realize I have a good story to tell is she really enjoyed this story. And then I realized, oh, I never told that story on the podcast. And it's interesting when you take a big trip, uh, you have so much going on that sometimes like after that trip and on the podcast, you get more focused on the really exciting story like that. Um, smoking elephant dung part (laughs) with the Bushman, that I forgot this other really good story. So I'll back up just a little bit. So that island, Mafia Island, I went there to swim with whale sharks. It was very exciting. And I was staying at this beautiful hotel. There weren't that many hotels on this island, but this was the Canassi Canassi Lodge. It was fantastic and included all your meals. It's not that Uh, many people, you get your own bungalows, gorgeous. The food was fantastic. It was just a really wonderful experience. And there were about 12 people staying at the lodge. So you definitely connect with these people. And you're also going on these whale watching boat trips with them. So you get to know everybody there. So there were these two really nice girls from the United States. One of them was living in Africa. And then there was a very handsome handsome plastic surgeon doing volunteer work in Africa. So it's like, wow, he's this handsome and he's doing volunteer work. And it's like, that's impressive. And then there was a woman from Spain who my friend, not knowing any of the story, described her, who's this hot mess? (laughs) Now, eventually I ended up really enjoying this woman. She's very flamboyant, uh, Uh, But at first glance, you think, my goodness, like, what is this? (laughs) Because she had some plastic surgery, so her lips were quite large. Uh, She had bright red 
curly hair, almost like a clown. Sorry, this I, I don't like saying bad things, but it is, it's, it's humorous because not just that, her outfits, she'd be wearing like cowboy boots and it's hot out with like paisley, every color in the rainbow skin tight pants with a different color floral crazy looking shirt and a hat. <laughs> it was a lot. Let's just say it was a lot. So it, this was funny. Uh, in real time, I texted. This is after one of our first whale watching uh, boat trips. Very exciting. I'm looking at my photos on my phone. It's about time for a delicious lunch. And uh, she's looking at She's with the fa- handsome. She's with the handsome plastic surgeon, and she's looking at his photos of the whale sharks. And I just snapped a picture of them in real time, sent it to my friend, and said, um, "So, do you think I'm having lunch with this handsome doctor or this crazy lady?" And he texts back in real time, "Please tell me it's the handsome doctor. Please tell me it's the handsome doctor." And it's like, "Nope, it's the crazy lady." Because I was by myself, she was by herself, so she would like to eat with me. And this is one of the funny things. Uh, I realized that at that first lunch, that was the first lunch. And um, I realized that there was also a language barrier. And she also would complain about the food when the food was really good and it wasn't coming out fast. And it was just, I didn't want to have every meal with her. I didn't want to basically be on, I didn't want to be her date for the next few days, right? So at uh, they, everybody would meet for happy hour and they'd have really nice hors d'oeuvres at the happy hour in the bar. And then everyone would go to sit for dinner. So I would linger and take longer to have my drink so that she would go sit down so then I could go to my own table. Because if I would sit first, she would come to sit with me and then we would be having a romantic dinner. And I did not want to have all these romantic meals with her. You know, enough. The, the other time with her was enough. I Like I said, I did enjoy her, but she was a little much. <laughs> Just like the outfits. <laughs> okay, so now I want to talk about the whale shark. So how it worked on the boat is you would be on a boat. They'd be looking, looking, looking for whale sharks. They'd see them. Then they would motor to where the whale shark is and see which direction it was swimming. Then they'd motor further than that. Then they would tell us in the boat, jump, jump, jump. So now you would jump in the water and then the whale shark would come to you and it'd be very exciting. Like, ah! I mean, it was really exciting. Really, really exciting. But here's the thing. When there's other boats out there and they're all looking for whale sharks. So you, you there'd be other boats also going to where the whale sharks are and telling their people, jump, jump, jump. But then you'd have to find your people. And most people aren't that easily recognizable underwater. But my friend that my other friend called the hot mess. Also, when we would go out on the boat, would be wearing a very colorful swim attire. <laughs> she would have on like purple swim socks, like uh, colorful. I don't. I don't ever even see people swim in full tights, but they'd be like every color of the rainbow tights, a different color swim shirt, and a swim hat. <laughs> And the red hair. And so guess what? Guess who is really easy to find underwater? <laughs> so that part was uh, very helpful. 
girl named Betty who wears patent leather shoes. So because I injured my kneecap, I've had some time and I've been doing things that I don't normally have time to do, like deleting emails. Like I had like 10,000 emails. <laughs> and a lot of them were ads and stuff. It just takes a long time to go through. But a positive thing for, you know, it's always good to clean things out anyway, is that I get a lot of emails because of the podcast. And there's times and I apologize to anyone um, that I have not gotten back to you to if I am like traveling, or there's times where I try to respond, but I don't and I mean to read everything or I don't, or I think I'm going to do it later. And then it just gets further down the list. So because of that, I found some emails that uh, I probably read, uh, meant to use it for the podcast? (laughs) Possibly not. But this came from Steve, and it is from November 21st, 2018. And he said, "Uh, your last podcast reminds me of an incident that occurred back in the 70s. And this has to do with rushed boardings and unclear announcements. In the mid-70s, a San Francisco Bay Area businessman who lived in the East Bay booked a round-trip flight to New York. Instead of dealing with the Bay Bridge's bottleneck and heavy traffic, he booked his flight from the Oakland Airport, which is very, you know, close to San Francisco. So a commuter airline delivered him to San Francisco, where he caught his nonstop flight to New York. On the return trip, he deplaned in San Francisco to hear the announcement over the PA system for the last boarding call to Oakland. He ran for the specific gate, making it just as the gate agent was swinging the boarding door closed. She held it for him, and he was the last passenger to make the flight. He quickly took his seat and belted in. Seconds later, the plane began to move. In the minutes, they were airborne. Then uh, some minutes passed by, and the business the businessman, the businessman summoned the stewardess and said, how much longer till we land in Oakland? Because he's thinking, you know, this should be a really short flight. And she said, Oakland, we're not going to Oakland. We're going to Auckland, Auckland, New Zealand. (laughs) That would be a shocker. Thanks for sending that, Steve. In 2018. As most of you know, I broke my kneecap a few months back and I've been giving updates. And right now it's like a week after the last podcast and the walking is getting better. Yippee. Yay. Um, but the stairs, oh, the it's my new holy grail is stairs. So I can go up the stairs. I had been forever doing one step at a time, but doing the normal every other step, I can go upstairs if I can hold on with both hands and it involves grunting, (laughs) which is exactly what you want your flight attendant doing is, is grunting. So I have a lot of work to improve my stairs. This comes from listener Tarek. Thanks, Tarek. Hey, Betty. Uh, Tarek, Mary Facer. I just have a little story I want to tell you about when I used to be a flood instructor. It would have been about seven years ago. Um, I used to not just teach students, people how to get their private pilot license, but I would also do these discovery flights. People would come in for one-offs, 
like a once in a lifetime experience kind of thing. And on one particular day, I had a little bit of a cold. It wasn't too bad, but it was a kind of cold where you'd run out of breath in the middle of sentences. <laughs> and that was happening a lot throughout the day. And so I take the student out to the aircraft and we're talking about these tiny little airplanes, you know, um, one engine, two propellers. Like for anyone who knows, it's a Piper Tomahawk, but it's very, very small two-seat airplanes. And when I'm doing these lessons, I like to guide the person through starting the engine and have them press all the buttons, push all the levers and that kind of stuff. That way they can go back to their families and go, look, Ma, I started the airplane all by myself. And that's usually a, like a good, a feel good factor. Anyways, I'm talking this gentleman, a French guy, through the procedure of starting the airplane. And we're just about done. We just need to do one more thing, which is open the little window on the pilot side, look around the airplane to make sure there's nobody around, and then very loudly shout, clear prop. And we do this because we want to make sure nobody's near the engine, which is about to spin, because you essentially have two blades turning at a thousand revolutions per minute when that happens, right? Nobody wants to be close to that when it happens. And so I'm explaining this to this gentleman. I go, okay open the window and shout and that's when I run out of breath so the time it takes for me to inhale to finish my sentence clear prop this gentleman goes okay opens a window and then just bellows ah! <laughs> <laughs> and that made my day that was I was in physical therapy and my physical therapist was that weekend going to a Luke Combs concert, you know, big country star. And I was like, oh, well, before I broke my knee and I was in um, Johannesburg, South Africa on a layover and we had two days. So we got to go glamping, which was really fun. And it was seven flight attendants and one pilot and our safari guide, a very nice guy. But the one flight attendant, nice gal kept going on and on. She's like, our safari guide looks just like Luke Combs. It's like Luke Combs is our safari guide. She's like, he looks like him. His body's like him. He dresses like him. He sounds like him. Now, at the time, I'm sorry to, uh, I apologize. I did not know who Luke Combs was at the time, but she Googled him and I looked and I was like, oh, they do. They do look a lot alike. And he was enjoying all the attention from her. She's very pretty. And uh, he. so then he put on Luke Combs music. So it was like a two-hour drive to the glamping site. So it's like oh, we're on safari with Luke Combs listening to Luke Combs music. But the thing that's curious about it is it is interesting that you can have a... Now, granted, they weren't twins, but they did look a lot alike. And it's interesting that you can have a doppelganger half a world away in a very different job. So you have country music superstar and safari guide in South Africa. Good day to husband as he rolls his eyes. So I have told this story before, but it's in the news at the moment. So I find myself 
retelling it and everybody seems to enjoy it. So there's always been a height requirement at the airline. It was always, for flight times, it was always 5'2". And so it was like a hard, fast rule and you just didn't get hired. So when I run into a flight attendant of short stature, I always say, oh, how tall are you? They think I'm insulting them. And then I say, no, 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 I just want to hear the story because I like the stories of how people got hired. Some people put like a 100 band-aids under their feet, under their stockings, or like one of those bun sponges and then hair teased up over it on top of their head. I just like the stories. And my favorite one is this wonderful flight attendant in LA. And she said, she's like 4'11". I said, how on earth did you get hired? And she's senior to me. They have since changed the rule that you had to be able to reach the overhead bin and close it. So if you have long arms, you don't have to be 5'2". Anyway, I said, how did you get hired? She goes, oh, well, they measured me at my interview and they said, we're sorry, you do not meet the height requirement. She said, can we measure again? Can we do it again? Can we do it again? They're like, there's no point. You are so off. And she's like, can we do it again? Can we do it again? Can we do it again? And she was persistent. They're like, fine, we'll measure you again. And again, you know, fat chance. So she stands on her very top tiptoes. And they said, um, well, you're standing on your tiptoes. And she said, well, I have a condition like Barbie and my feet just stay this way. They thought she was funny and they hired her. I'd like to thank any of you who are so kind when you take an extra second when you're going to buy something on Amazon. You go to my website, BettyInTheSky.com. You can even bookmark it to make it faster. Click on any of the Amazon links. You don't have to do anything else. Uh, it supports the show and doesn't cost you any more. I like to see what people buy. This past month, somebody bought one of my favorites, truff, black truffle olive oil. Oh my goodness, is that delicious. Someone else bought malted milk balls and somebody else bought Bob and Brad's massage gun. <laughs> So if you're going to buy something on Amazon, just consider going to my website, clicking through the Amazon links, and I thank you so very much. Likes to watch city wake up. This story came from Alyssa. Thank you, Alyssa. This is really cute. So she was in a large airport and just deplaned around lunchtime. So she chose to go to Subway. Of course, other travelers had the same idea. As I neared the subway, I noticed a very long line, and the last customer in line was a tall, distinguished pilot in his dark navy suit and hat. I took my place in line behind the pilot, keeping my eyes on the menu to decide what I was going to order. After a few minutes of deliberation, I looked straight ahead at the back of the tall pilot and noticed a long strip of toilet paper hanging from the back of his trousers. Yikes! So I reached up and tapped him on the shoulder. He turned around and leaned down, and that is when I very quietly told him about the toilet paper sticking out of his pants. He was speechless and quick as a wink, yanked the toilet paper out of his pants, stuck it in his pocket, and nothing else was said. It was as if it never happened. But let me tell you, that white toilet paper was like a shining beacon in the night against his dark navy pilot suit. One of the one of the problems of not working, there's quite a few actually, but one of them is for the podcast, I like to have other voices. I don't like it to be all me. I feel like it is just way too 
much me. I always feel a little weird using other people's content, but I figure as long as I promote them and put a link in the show notes, I'm sort of advertising for free for them, right? Anyway, this is a short story with Selma Hayek and it is on the podcast, Let's Talk Off Camera with Kelly Ripa. Traveling is enormously taxing. Oh my God, tell me about it. If, if you're trying to maintain a weight, the worst thing is travel. It's the worst. Yeah. Especially because I get very anxious on plane. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm getting more and more anxious as I get older. Mm-hmm. And I just want to eat the whole way. And I'm not, I'm not a good sleeper on the plane. I got to tell you something funny. Coming to New York, I was on the plane. Three hours to take off. It was the most bizarre thing. Different reasons, one after the other. And people were getting really, you know, they were on the plane and somebody, you know, next to me, this lovely woman, lovely woman said to me, can I take a picture? We haven't even taken off. Right. And I said, no, 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 no. I have no makeup. Not yet. I am exhausted. I, 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 please, I need to relax because I get straight to work. Okay. But then will you take it with my daughter? I was like 20 and I'm like, no, no, please, please. And I'm traveling alone. I'm not taking alone. a photo with somebody who's 20. <laughs> Finally, we take off. Mm-hmm. I try to lay down and go to sleep. I'm still not sleeping, but my eyes are closed. I move, I move a little bit. And all of a sudden, the little blanket moves. And I feel this creepy movement of the blanket going up. And then a tap. I open one eye to see, like, what the heck is happening? The woman's talking me in. The one next to me who wanted to take the picture is talking me in. She's talking you in? And she discovers that I kind of opened my eye a little bit. And she goes, I just don't want you to get cold. I'm just like covering you back up. And and I want to say like, please don't do that. It creeps me out. I need my space. But of course, instead I said, oh, thank you. You know? <laughs> and And then... I go, oh, oh my God, what do I do? I can't go to sleep. She's going to take a picture of me. Like, she's going to get in bed with me talking. I don't know what's going to happen if I go to sleep. This is like a horror movie. It sounds like you got trapped in a horror movie. I still cannot sleep. And apparently I move without knowing. And she does it to my feet. <laughs> so I, this time I just like kind of pulled my feet in, didn't open my eye, didn't say thank you. But I couldn't sleep the whole way here, so it takes a toll. When when it makes you wanna eat when strangers try to talk you in in the airplane bed. And so I guess it gives me anxiety. I'm claustrophobic and I don't the traveling it's a, it's really stressful. It really is. And you know, you were saying for you. Oh, yeah, no. (laughs) Albert is here. Wait a minute. Come here. Come here. Albert is here. And Albert goes, when did you realize the woman tucking you in was Kelly (laughs) Ripper? Oh, I wish I wouldn't have minded if you snuggled in there with me and took pictures. (laughs) So, uh, I like an experiment. I like 
new things. I'm very curious. So at uh, physical therapy, uh, there's a guy who goes in there around the same time that I do. And he's got a shoulder injury. And sometimes he comes in and he's like totally stiff and his shoulders are up like, and they'll be like, you look like a scarecrow. So they'll have him take his shirt off and they put like lotion on him. And then they use these cups. Remember, I've seen cupping before. I used to live in LA. You'd see people with these marks, these circles all over their back or on their shoulder or whatever. And lots of times the cupping, traditionally, you light the inside of the cup. But uh, she was just using this little silicone cup. And I'm always curious. And I'm like, well, this looks like cupping. She's like, it is cupping. So she uses two and she moves them around and in certain places she leaves it. So the suction, so it's like, it's a suction cup. (laughs) It's like, it's like Herman. So um, it's like a cup and she leaves it on and then, you know, it'll be red there, but then she'll move it around and put it somewhere else and move it around and put it somewhere else. So I got home and was like, huh, I should probably order some of those silicone cups. Uh, right now, I don't have any pain like a, right now, my knee isn't inflamed or anything, but I think it actually could have been helpful back when it was. And I thought I should just have that and throw it in my suitcase. doesn't take up any space. And, um, and then I just did a little research and I was like, what else do they use cupping for? And I see that, uh, it's good for all kinds of things, but you know, on the internet, everything's good for everything. Everything cures everything, right? So, but I ordered these little ones that are like for your face. And it basically when when she was doing it in physical therapy, I was asking her about it. And she said, it's, the basic concept is that it brings blood to the area. So, okay. So I have these little facial ones and uh, I put some serum on my face and I was like, well, this is kind of fun. <laughs> Like massaging my face, and I was leaving some. I had like this whole little. It costs like nothing on Amazon. These little cups. So, um, so I left some on, and I was like doing my neck, and I thought, oh, I'll put some on there, and uh, it was like a little fun experiment until I woke up the next day, and I guess I had gone a little crazy on my neck, and it looked like I had burnt a pearl necklace on my neck. So there was just like circles, the same size as pearls, all the way across my neck. And it was like, oh, yikes. <laughs> so I had to go to the pool and I was trying to put makeup on these burnt pearl necklace. It's like sometimes I do the stupidest things. And of course, you know, the makeup isn't going to stay. So then when I saw people, I was sort of like putting my hand, oh, hey, how you doing? And putting my hand like on my chin to like hide the circles on my neck. I didn't want people going, uh, so what's, uh, what's going on with your neck? And then I had a physical therapy appointment that day. And I, 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 I put makeup on it. I powdered my neck like you powder your neck. And I'm thinking, I don't think, I think I did a pretty good job. So, but if they notice, I'm going to tell them, oh, it's all your fault. I learned about this cupping in here. I've been giving you updates on my broken kneecap progress. And now it's like mid-month. And uh, last week, I could make it up the stairs using two hands and grunting. <laughs> That's really graceful, isn't it? Isn't that what you want in a in a lady <laughs> grunting? Well, now I can make it up the stairs. I still have to use my hands 
Uh, but I'm gruntless. Yippee, I'm gruntless. <laughs> but I'm still working on the going down the stairs, which is surprisingly much harder. But uh, I'm kind of looking at this now that I'm in the late stages of this injury journey, that if this was a movie, if it was a movie of my broken patella, my fractured patella, this that I'm in now would be the workout montage where they would just show <laughs> like fast images of me at the gym, me at the pool, me taking long walks, trying to get my endurance back. You know, I'd be in the workout montage. And then at the end of the movie, you'll see me back in my uniform. And it's like, yippee. This comes from Jonathan Mary, who is a travel expert at moneytransfers.com. And this is Weird Items Found in Hand Luggage Around the World. Adult Toys. Airport security staff have reported an unusual trend in finding adult toys discreetly tucked away in passengers' carry-on bags. These buzzy items often raise eyebrows and prompt extra attention during screening. But what's more interesting is that in at least two instances have been reported where the adult toys were found filled with Class A drugs. <laughs> That's a peculiar choice for drug concealment, to say the least, or is it genius? Live fireworks. One traveler recounted their nail-biting experience when they forgot to remove live fireworks from their pockets before flying. From a small domestic airport to a larger international one, the unexpected explosive discovery caused quite a commotion, leaving the passenger covered in gunshot residue as they cautiously waited for security. A live crocodile. In a case that sounds like something out of a wildlife adventure, a passenger on a flight from Australia managed to carry a live caiman on a commercial flight. Now that would have been a shock for the flight crew. A bomb. In another case, a military serviceman returned from the Middle East to the United States and attempted to bring a live claymore, which is an explosive device. Apparently, he pleaded innocence, saying he didn't know he wasn't supposed to do that. According to the Redditor, the FBI took the unsuspecting passenger away for questioning. Snake wine. A passenger raised eyebrows when they attempted to carry a bottle of snake wine, oh, snake wine is in their hand luggage. In an effort to prove that it was indeed wine, the daring individual even volunteered to take a sip. Cheers to the bravery. And the last one, a morning star. In an odd yet heartfelt gesture, a man tried to bring a genuine full-size morning star, which is a medieval weapon with a spiked metal ball onto the plane, claiming it had sentimental value. Needless to say, it isn't something you're allowed to take on a flight. This is sort of apropos of nothing. <laughs> Doesn't connect to anything else in the podcast, but I was reading a wildlife magazine um, when I was at the gym on the stationary bike. I've been doing a lot of the bike to try to get the legs strong, to go back to work. And uh, there was an article about a baby 
porcupine. And oh my goodness, is a baby porcupine like the cutest thing ever? And it said, I bet you don't know what you call a baby porcupine. And I was thinking, I don't know what a baby porcupine is called. And it said it's called a porcupet. Is that not the cutest word you've ever heard? A porcupet. When my sister was here a few months back, we went on a dolphin cruise. I love boats. I love being on the water. I just love the water. Actually, when I was a teenager, they used to call me Betty Boat. Because I'd jump at any chance to get on any type of boat. So we were going along, and there's an island um, called Defusky, and the boat captain slash guide was saying that it comes from the Muscogee language and it means sharp feather for the island's distinctive shape. But he thinks the actual reason it's called Defusky is they had an accent at the time, right? And a key is an island, and Defusky is the first key, so it's the first key. The first key. The first key. The first key. Not sure about that. I was very sad to hear that Paul Rubin, Pee Wee Herman, died recently. Um, it's an odd thing to me that I serve Coke and chicken for a living, but I have met a lot of celebrities, and I met Paul Rubin, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman. Uh, you know, I was based out of L.A., so a lot of celebrities live there. So uh, we were boarding on a 777, and here's... Pee-wee Herman. And he looks just like Pee-wee Herman. Now, he wasn't using the voice, but he had still had the childlike exuberance. He was like walking around. He was all happy. And he said, hey, uh, what, what are these stairs? Where did these stairs go? On the 777, at least our airline's configuration, the pilot crew rest was in first class and it was upstairs and that door is usually closed and locked but the pilot was up there checking it you know make sure there's no stowaways even though there's never any stowaways um and so he goes can I go up there and I thought you know it's Pee Wee Herman and I you're not really supposed to but it really is not dangerous you just there's a couple of beds up there and a pilot looking for stowaways. So he said, yeah, go ahead. So he goes up. He goes up fast, kind of like you'd expect Pee Wee Herman to go upstairs. And he comes back down. And he was like, that was so cool. That was so cool. And then the pilot comes down the stairs rather slowly and says to me, did Pee Wee Herman just come up into the crew rest area? And I'm like, yes, he did. Ha ha. Ha ha. Okay, uh, I don't know if I have the Pee Wee Herman laughed totally down. Ha! But uh, I also want to give you my last knee update. Ha! <laughs> I'm doing the laugh because I'm happy, and I always thought Pee Wee Herman made people happy. Anyway, I got the okay to go back to work. Now, granted, in three weeks, and that should get me enough time to get better going up and down the stairs. But it's really nice to have an end date. I know I'll be going back to work. I will have been to work by the next time, the next episode. I will have done a trip over the pond, getting back to normal, and I'm so happy. Oh, and the other thing the doctor said, um, he, he did the x-ray, he said the bones were good, and he said, just so you know, 
it's a very small percentage of people that have a kneecap break like you had that don't require surgery. He said, I fully expected you to come back in here having torn it. And I think that's why I feel like, I don't know, it's not, if you Google it, it says three to six months and I'm in month five and I'll go back to work in month five, but it still feels to me like it's taken me a long time. But when he said that, I kind of felt um, justified in that if I had had surgery, most likely I would have been back to work sooner. But because I was in the immobilizer for so long and he had muscles atrophy. So yes, I, I saved myself from surgery and I'm going back to work. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world together. Thanks. Bye. She's been and tell you where she's going. You'll have some fun, so why not come along? Seat belts are fastened for takeoff, and the signal is strong. Oh, Betty, in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt. Betty and the Jets. She's a podcast queen She's wearing